sister, the brother. And then you have the problem of what if she answers and you don't think it's her? Or if she doesn't answer and you do think it's her? I mean, there's all sorts of problems, okay? The cell phone has solved many of those things. It's great. Anyway, I remember uh, she answered the phone and I asked if she wanted to go to the dance. And her reply was pretty, pretty short. And it was just like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> And I was like, well, I'm good too. Why don't we be good together? <laughs> Needless to say, I went to the dance alone. <laughs> but that was kind of my approach. Like when, when it came to dances, I was like, you know, th- this is the girl I want to go with. And I'm either going with her or I'm, I'm going to be going to the dance alone. And as you can imagine, I went to quite a few dances alone. <laughs> well, I want us to see something which... which uh, which can be similar to uh, our attitude with the Lord that we're going to see in First Thessalonians 4. We're going to start in verse 1 just to get a little context. It says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And what I want to kind of hone in on is is verse 8 today. I know uh, a number of versions use the word reject, where the ESV uses disregard. It's it's the same idea. Uh, When we disregard God, it is a rejection of him. And we're pushing him aside. Uh, We're we're, we're saying something to him, uh, just like that girl said to me. It's like, nah, I'm good. I'm good, you know. When we disregard God, whether it's his commandments, his statutes, his promptings from his spirit, we're pushing him aside and we're rejecting him. And I want to look at just a few ways in our lives that we can disregard God. First, we can disregard God when we choose ourselves over others. We can disregard God when we choose ourselves over others. You know, this church, I believe this church loves people well. We've had different... um, Situations where our church has been able to display that love to different families. And we are a church that loves well. Um, That's not easy to love well. It's not. There's always room for growth, which which we have room as well. Um, But when it comes to to, uh, disregarding God when we choose ourselves over others, listen, we have to willingly set our hearts on choosing God. We have to willingly set it. It doesn't come naturally at all. That's why when, when you think about it, part of showing love is what, is what we would call here at Liberty a culture of generosity that, that we have developed, we are developing, and will continue to develop. We, we want to be generous people. We feel like love and generosity go hand in hand. One of the ways you can display love, just one of them, but one of them, the ways you can display it is through your finances, through your generosity. And, and we, sh- we showed that earlier this year with our brothers and sisters in Belize. It speaks well of our heart to minister and to love and to put others first. Right? And we got that opportunity again. But I think uh, one of the things that, 
that our culture, not our church culture, but the culture at large pushes towards us is, is, is to affirm ourselves and not to affirm others, to choose ourselves and not to choose others. One of the most popular Christian books written just a couple years ago, she tells, she tells us the key to a successful life is, is deliberately avoiding people in places that generate negative feelings or attitudes. I mean, friends, if that's the case, many of us wouldn't be able to go anywhere. You know, we, we wouldn't be able to hang around our own immediate family, okay? And this is not a biblical message. And even a, a very popular author, he says it like this, Life is too short to waste your valuable time with the wrong people. To reach your highest potential, you have to surround yourself with eagles, with people that push you forward, people that make you better, people that help you to soar. I mean, that sounds good in, in part, but here's the problem. That's a very anti-biblical message. Now, is it wrong to put yourself with people that are going to push forward? No, you should do that. Is, is there the idea that bad company corrupts good morals? No, I mean, that's biblical, 1 Corinthians, right? But the message that is conveyed and that we can receive and we can act on is what? If you want to be successful, surround yourself with successful people. If you are unsuccessful, evaluate what people in your life you need to remove or avoid. That's anti-biblical. That's choosing yourself over others. That's the, like, what's best for me? What's best for me? I'm going to look out for me. I mean, imagine, friends, if Jesus took that attitude. Like, he's going to do what's best for him. He's going to avoid the negative people. I mean, he wouldn't have been able to find a, a disciple within a thousand miles of Jerusalem. Imagine if pastors took that attitude. We wouldn't have any pastors. Imagine if you took that attitude. You really wouldn't be able to do ministry. Look, this, this concept is really just the embodiment of Philippians 2, verse 3. Hold your place in 1 Thessalonians, but, but look at Philippians chapter 2. It says in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. How many things can you do? That's right, nothing. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Man, if you just take that one verse, friends, and put that into practice, if you're a believer, you'll be walking really well with Jesus. Put others above yourself. Push the selfishness aside. So if you love people, that means you will love people. And to love them, you have to be around them. You have to be with them. You have to be in their presence. And, and we want to be people that minister to the weak, that minister to the downcast, that minister to the hurting, that minister to the downtrodden. Friends, oftentimes those people will be riddled with negativity. I mean, they're just dripping with negativity. And it's like, get them a towel, right? That's, they're just dripping with it. Well, getting into the trenches with people means we get dirty. And ministering to hurting people means, guess what? We're going to get hurt sometimes. You ever minister to someone that's been hurting and, and you end up getting hurt by that person that you're trying to help? Guess what, friends? That's what Jesus did for us. That's what he still does for us. 
You know, if I wanted to work out in my garage today, I'm hoping it warms up at least enough that I can do some work and clean up my garage. But if I want to work in my garage, uh, is this the best outfit to go out there and work in my garage? Probably not, right? No, in fact, I got, I got uh, a couple pairs of, of work pants. If I'm going out in my garage and I'm going to be there and I'm going to be doing some different things, working on the lawnmower, whatever, rearranging stuff, getting stuff ready for the winter, trying to get, make space so I can truck my, park my truck in there, what, what, what do I know is going to happen? I'm going to get dirty. I might even get scraped up a bit. My pants might get messed up. Well, guess what? We kind of have to have that mentality when it comes to ministry and when it comes to loving people. We have to have the right, the right attitude. We've got to have the right... Even, even, even Colossians talks about like clothing ourselves right with humility. We've got to clothe ourselves with the proper attitude and mentality when we go to minister to people. We know it's going to be messy. We know it's going to be rough. We know we're probably going to get ourselves dirty a little bit. Why? Because when we're ministering to people, we're going to end up hurting with them. There's two aspects to that when you think about it, right? We're supposed to mourn with those who mourn. The church could do a better job of that. Mourn with those who mourn. Like today, we're rejoicing with those who rejoice, right? Like we're rejoicing with Max, with his family. We're rejoicing as a church. Why? Because of what God did in Max's life. But we're also supposed to mourn. So when we're ministering to hurt people, part of that is stepping into their messiness a little bit and hurting with them a little bit. But the other thing is, is, is when people are hurting and they're downcast and they're downtrodden and they're stumbling through stuff, they're, they're just going to hurt. And guess what? Sometimes they're going to hurt you. That's not fair. That's not right. But that's how it is. And if you're honest with yourself, when you've been hurting, you'll admit that you've hurt other people in the midst of your hurt. And people have loved you through that. You know, I've been, I've been cut by brothers and sisters I love dearly, cut deeply. But I, but I still want to love people. I still want to care for people. I still want to help people. So I push through that. I push through that. I don't, I don't try to be ignorant about it. I don't try to think, oh, that's not going to happen again. I know it's going to happen again. But I want to minister and I want to love people. You know, that, that's a little bit about vulnerability. Second, we disregard God when we disregard his commands. We disregard God when we disregard his commands. Listen, what God says goes. What he says goes. We can rationalize it away. We can, we can ignore it. We can try and make it say something it doesn't. But at the end of the day, what God says goes. He says it, that settles it. That needs to be our attitude. We see it in the scripture, then that is the truth of the matter, whether we like it or not. Some of the challenges that every believer will have is we'll have whisperers come along in our life. There's going to always be people who whisper in your ear negative things, bad things, things that tempt you to sin. They might even have the title of believer. They might even call themselves Christians. But they're going to encourage you to doubt. They're going to encourage you to do as you please. They're going to encourage you to doubt the Word of God. Why? Because those who are ruined want to ruin others. Those who are walking in darkness want you to be in the darkness with them. It's like it gives, it just like even takes the burden off them a little bit regarding the, the grossness of their sin and the seriousness of their sin. 
Third, we disregard God when we trust ourselves over God. We disregard God when we trust ourselves over God. All, our, our culture says, like, have it your way, do it your way, it's all about you, believe in yourself, you're in control. It's like all me, 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 me. Well, we need to take the focus off ourself and put it where it belongs, which is on God. How, how far? Think about this. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this message. Like, think about, like, how far can you get trust in yourself? How far can you get? There's, you know, however many, 7 billion roughly people in this world, all of them created in God's image, all of them of, of great worth in his view, from the smallest to the biggest. How far can you get trust in yourself? How far will that really get you? And has it really done you that much good to this point? You know, Max came to a place and you should talk to him and get his testimony. We got some snippets of it through that video. But each one of us comes to a place where Jesus reaches out with the gift of eternal life and offers it to you. And Jesus, he came for us. Lived the perfect life, died the perfect death. Why? Because of our sin. Our sin separates us from God, friends. Our sin separates us from God. And sin is, is doing anything contrary to what God wants for us. God wants many good things for us, and he doesn't want bad things for us. And a lot of times what happens is we choose the bad, and we deny the good. We do the exact opposite. And we make it all about ourselves. Well, God wants us to walk in humility. He wants us to come before him. He wants us to realize, like, we can't do it on our own. Like, how far has it gotten you? Now, we need someone to do what we can't do. Jesus did that. No one else has done that. Jesus did it. He came for you and laid down his life. So what? That you could have life. Not just life right now, but, but an eternal life. That your sins could be wiped out. Friends, earlier in that passage in Thessalonians, it talks about the Lord being an avenger, verse 6. The Lord is an avenger. Listen, if we had a judge and he was letting criminals go left and right, good judge or bad judge? Bad, okay? In God's sight, our sin, that it makes us criminals. We sin, we've broken God's law. So we are criminals in his sight. He is the judge of all the world. He sits on his throne and he has to render judgment. He has to render judgment on the criminals. If he lets everyone go and gives them a pass, oh, you did those horrible things, that's all right, that's all right. Good judge or bad judge? Okay, bad judge. Good judges punish wrong. They punish wrong. God's a good judge. If we really want a loving God, then we want a loving God to be loving. And any parent here knows if they just let their kid get away with all sorts of stuff, is that really love? That's not love. So a lot of times, you know, people are like, oh, God's so loving. Oh, God's so loving. He wouldn't do that. No, because God's loving, he will do that. He will do it. Because he's a good, righteous judge. He will judge righteously. 
So our sin requires judgment. It requires judgment. And that judgment will come upon each one of us unless the sin is dealt with. And Jesus came so that he could deal with your sin. I encourage you today, if you haven't trusted in Christ, like let him deal with your sin. How does that happen? Through trusting in him that what he did was enough for you. Trust in him that what he did was enough for you. His father, God the Father, sent Jesus to redeem you, to save you, to call you back to the Father's side. That happens through trust in Christ. Turning away from that bad stuff, saying, Lord, I forsake that, and turning towards the Father and claiming him as your own. Don't disregard God. One of the things that happens, and it's a beautiful thing, when you trust in the Lord, one of the things that's beautiful is he gives you his Holy Spirit. Notice back in 1 Thessalonians what he says. It's kind of interesting. He's given us this section on, on sexual immorality, right? And then he ends it, the very end, verse 8, after he says, whoever disregards this, disregards not man but God. And then notice what he says, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Friends, God is a giver of good gifts. And he gives his Holy Spirit. Every single version uses that word, gives. And the Spirit is God's to give. It's his spirit. He gives it freely and willingly. To who? To whom all ask. To whom all come before him and want that gift of salvation. What happened with our brother Max who got baptized today? God gave Max the Holy Spirit, right? When did he give it? During baptism? No. Baptism doesn't save you. That's not when God gives the Spirit. At the moment, Max trusted in Christ. For his salvation, the Spirit was given. Think about that for a moment. You trust. God regenerates you. He gives you his Spirit. He, he, he justifies you. He calls you righteous. He makes you his own. And I want us to reflect for a second just on even what we heard in the video from Max because one of the cultures we have at Liberty is a culture of evangelism. We're developing it. We'll continue to develop it. But we have this culture, and I want you to think just for a moment of, of just even Max's story and the way God was working in all sorts of ways, some of them we don't even know, through our church to help accomplish that. Like God's prompting Max to ask his dad for a Bible, right? So God's already working. God's working. Max probably didn't even know God was working all the way. So his dad has been praying and praying and praying. And answered prayer. Gives them the Bible. But what happens? There's a work day here where we're working with uh, SCCHE. And, and one of our members, Jake, ends up working and doing some work with Max. Uh, sorry, uh, Max's dad, John. And what is he doing? He invites him to church here, right? I remember their first Sunday. And then who ends up coming with him? Max. To this church. Why? Because Jake invited his dad. I mean, just think about that for a moment. Sometimes I just think we just downplay some of the simplest things God just wants us doing, like just inviting someone to church. So Jake invites Max's dad, stepmom. Max ends up coming with them. But, but what happens once Max is here? Like people reach out to him, right? And, and hats off to our, 
our high schoolers and our college students who did an amazing job reaching out to him. Like, uh, Max has been like a regular at my house for the last few months. That's, but that's the culture of evangelism, which is now kind of turning into the culture of discipleship, right? So, I mean, we got some amazing high schoolers and college students. Uh, us, us older people, let's, let's make sure we're not getting shown up by them, right? Let's make sure we're, we're doing what we're supposed to do. But, but also, I just want us to note, almost like a side note, I mean, aren't you glad to hear how God is using COVID for his glory? Did you catch that in, in the video? Where he's like, if it wasn't for COVID, I wouldn't be here. Right? Because if everything was opened up, they live in Illinois, they would have found something closer, they wouldn't have come to the learning center. Max wouldn't be here. So, so God is always orchestrating things behind the scenes in a thousand ways, friends, that we don't ever know. Using something as horrible as a virus that has killed hundreds of thousands of people. He's still using that for his purposes. Using that to save people, to redeem people, to make a people for his own. And if you're a friend of Max's and you're here today to support him, you're, you're here because God used a horrible virus to save Max. God will always take the worst of circumstances and situations and use it for his purposes. Many, many, many of us here can attest to that and tell story after story. And I just want to encourage us, look, God, God wants us holy. And there's something unusual. 99.9% uh, .9 of the stuff in your English Bible, you can just pick up and, and, and you can just get some extra little nuggets here and there from the Greek. Um, <clears throat> I never want to give the impression that knowing Greek gives anybody like uh, a big leg up and there's all this amazing stuff there. In one sense, there's truth to that. But I don't want to water down the fact that like this, the English version is God's word. You can glean thousands and thousands and billions and trillions of things from this. Sometimes the, the Greek can clear things up a little bit. That's why we have pastors and theologians and academics to, to point those things out that maybe we don't have the time to, to, to study on. One of the things that is I want to point out, though, is in that verse where it talks about the Holy Spirit in verse 8. Uh, Paul flips the word order there. Normally, uh, a lot of languages, actually, they actually say the noun and then the adjectives. It actually makes a lot of sense. Because if you're describing something, and you just think, like, the green, you know, scary, uh, hairy, like, okay, what are we describing? Like, tell the noun first, the monster. What was he? Green, scary, hairy, right? Most languages put the noun and then the adjective. That's what Greek does. But here, Paul flips it. And what, what's the idea? Instead of what would normally read in Greek, uh, God gives his spirit holy to you. It actually reads like it does in English. God gives his Holy Spirit. But the idea is that God gives his Holy Spirit to you. He wants that to stick out to you. Uh, the adjective holy. He wants that in our minds when he is describing his very spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. Look for different adjectives that try to describe the Spirit, the one you're going to see over and over again, and the reason we call him the Holy Spirit is because that's how scriptures describe him time and time again. Holy, holy. So if you have the Holy Spirit, guess what? God wants you to act holy. He's given you that, and he wants you to imitate it. He's given you the Holy Spirit. Why? 
so you can be holy, so you can walk in holiness. You know, over the summer, I was at Home Depot trying to get some stain, uh, trying to match actually a stain for a, for a deck I was going to be staining. And uh, the, the guy, you know, behind the, the paint desk was kind of being rude to me. So I thought I'd return the favor, and I was rude back. <laughs> he was just being short and snippy, and, and so I was, I was short and snippy back. I definitely wasn't acting in righteousness. And then the Lord convicted me, and, and I went and I apologized. I was just like, I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm not having a good day, and uh, apparently you aren't either. I didn't say that, but... <laughs> But I apologized to him, <clears throat> and it was interesting um, because I could tell it really took him by surprise. I mean, he clearly wasn't happy with me. I clearly wasn't happy with him, um, and I felt bad because I was like, he's just trying to do his job, and I'm just trying to do mine, and I'm taking my frustration out on me, out on him. And, and, and he was like, I, I, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I mean, but I could tell, like, it, it caught him by surprise and kind of affected him. Well, two weeks later, I'm back there because I, I got another deck to stain, and I got to get some more stain, and, and who's working there? Him. Uh, and, you know, so I just walk over to him. I could tell he recognized me, and, and his demeanor immediately was very gracious towards me. So who knows? Maybe he was having a bad day just like I was that day. Um, it is, to me, it is freeing when you apologize to someone, when you make things right. It's a lot nicer when they receive it, and there's kind of like some, you know, mutuality there. But even if not, uh, there's like a, bur- a burden has been lifted, right? And the confession made. Why? Because I believe for us to apologize, it is otherworldly. It goes against everything in our fleshly nature to, ap- to truly apologize. Not just like, oh, I'm sorry about that, you know, and they're just like, oh, that's all right. No, I'm talking like a true apology where you go and you say, what I did was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's otherworldly. You don't see that from unbelievers too often. Um, We need to see it more from believers. But it is otherworldly, and it can make an impact, something just as small as that, on people. So we have the Spirit. Let's walk according to the Spirit. You know, you see it, walk according to the Spirit, walk according. Well, what does that mean? Well, He's holy. Walk according to that holiness. And God has to be at the center of our lives. God has to be at the top of our priorities. God has to be the primary position in our lives. If he is not any of those for you, then you need to get right with the Lord. It's not worth the cost to your soul to delay that. Make it right with God. And I encourage those of us that are believers, that have trusted, we need to make sure that we've done that, that God is at the center and that we're walking according to that, that God is at the top of our priorities and and we've rearranged things accordingly and that God is the primary position in our lives. And maybe for you, if you're not sure you've ever trusted Christ or you know you haven't, like I want to encourage you today. The Bible talks about today's the day of salvation. And you know what? I'm just going to be honest. God only gives you so many chances. You get X number of years. Some people aren't in this room because their time has already come and gone. Members of this church that have died and gone. Some, what we would say, way before their time. According to God's time, but way before their time. God only gives you so many chances. And you don't know when your day is coming that is your last day. 
That's why he says today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. You keep pushing God off, you're going to end up, it's going to be too late. It shows that you're not serious, that you really don't care. Like today's the day to get right with God. Trust in him. Don't, don't put it off. It literally could cost you your eternal soul. It could be gone. You could be in hell forever with no chance of getting out. But here God is, through me today, offering you an escape. Offering you friendship. Offering you terms of peace. Offering to adopt you. This God that through your sin you've said, I don't want nothing to do with you. He's saying, I want to adopt you into my family. I love you. The terms. So I encourage you today to trust. Trust in that good God who loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. Trust in him for your salvation, for the forgiveness of sins. Forsake that old stuff and turn to him. And you will have a true friendship with God. Let's pray. Lord, you know people's hearts. I pray that you would reveal it to each person right now, a small glimpse of their heart. And I pray, God, you'd give the gift of salvation to anyone here today who doesn't know it, who doesn't have it, who hasn't trusted in you, that today would be the day they trust in you. Truly trust. Do your work, Lord, in them. And Lord, keep doing your work in us believers. Keep doing your work, Lord, through your spirit that you have given us. To walk in holiness, to walk in truth, to be at peace with you. Lord, have your way with our lives. Let you be number one for us. You are a good God, and we love you. All right, we're going to recognize some new members today. It's one of my favorite days, baptisms and having new members join. Let's see. Well, the Zapata's right on cue. There's Jennifer, so let's have the Zapata's come on down. <clears throat> all right, a few questions for you all. Do you agree with the vision, doctrine, and practice of liberty as stated in the membership handbook? Will you accept the duties of membership as outlined in the liberty handbook? And do you agree to minister to the body of Christ by serving in ministry at liberty? All right, in church... Will you pray for and edify our new members and fulfill all the duties of membership toward them? All right. Awesome. Praise God. Give it up for the Zapatas. All right, you can have it. All right, give it up for the McNeils. I was hoping y'all would bring the kids up with you. Remind everyone your kids' names again. Isaiah and Gwen. Isaiah and Gwen. 
All right, a few questions for you. Do you agree with the vision, doctrine, and practice of liberty as stated in the membership handbook? Will you accept the duties of membership as outlined in the liberty handbook? And do you agree to minister to the body of Christ by serving in ministry at liberty? Church, will you pray for and edify our new members and fulfill all of the duties of membership toward them? Awesome. Great. <laughs> Give it up for the McNeils. <clears throat> All right, and then we have the porches. Give it up for the porches. When I was talking about cultures, were you thinking like biology and <laughs> cultures? Yeah. yeah. That's right. All right, a few questions for you. Do you agree with the vision, doctrine, and practice of liberty as stated in the membership handbook? Will you accept the duties of membership as outlined in the liberty handbook? And do you agree to minister to the body of Christ by serving in ministry at liberty? All right, church, will you pray for and edify our new members and fulfill all the duties of membership toward them? Awesome.